The following is a CA original. The mighty sound of the South. Tailgating on Tiger Lane. Tom three at the Liberty Bowl. Each one a Memphis football tradition. This is the Tiger Football Podcast. What's up, Tiger football fans? We are back for another edition of the Tiger Football Podcast here at the Commercial Appeal. I'm Mark Giannato. I'm joined by football beat writer Evan Barnes and our producer, jack-of-all-trades, Jason Munns. Let's talk some Tiger football. Another week of camp is in the books. We had our first uh, full scrimmage uh, in front of fans as part of the uh, Tiger Football Fan Fest. It was a great crowd. I thought, you know, I've only been to two of these now, but it was easily double the amount of people from a year ago lining the sideline, buying, you know, equipment and shirts and everything you could ever want, an enthusiastic crowd, even though it was super hot and humid. I think it, it's, a, it's a sign of kind of the excitement level that fans have coming into this season, coming into Mike Norvell's third season with this team full of returning starters. But Evan, take us through what you thought of that scrimmage. I mean, obviously the fans are, you know, it's great, but like people want to know what, what happened on the field. What was your, what were your takeaways from that scrimmage, seeing them kind of live like that for the first time this uh, training camp? I think the the biggest takeaway from the scrimmage was, and it sounds pretty obvious, but the quarterback battle is still far from decided. I think, Going in, you would have thought that Brady White probably had the edge a little bit from how he looked in practice, but at the scrimmage, it was David Moore who looked the more confident, the more accurate quarterback. I think from my notes, he was 15 of 20 passing, and with the first unit, he only had one incompletion, led three scoring drives. Um, He looked like he had command of the offense, I thought. Um, He was the better of the two, for sure. Brady... Uh, White kind of struggled with his accuracy a little bit, but I do think that it was a good way to just kind of see, okay, which one of these guys can come on when the when the pressure's on. It's them leading the first unit. Who can get points on the board? Who can look like they understand this offense? I thought David Moore looked better of the two, but I think, and I know we talked about this, but I felt like neither one looked more like, okay, this offense is ready to go on September first. I still think there's things that need to be worked on. Is that kind of what you what you saw? Yeah, I, I tweeted this. I thought neither of them really stood out. Like I, David Moore, like like you said, you were probably following it a little closer than me. Had the better day, but just in terms of this overall battle, no one has really grabbed control of it and said, "This is my job. This is my team." Which you know, we're still only a week into camp, but or I guess now two weeks into camp, we're getting to the point, I was thinking about it today, I mean, they go to Lambeth for their annual team bonding trip. Uh, we're, we're recording this on Wednesday afternoon, and, and they leave for Lambeth today. And I think once you get back from Lambeth next week, to me, that's when it re- someone's got to step up, or you're probably you know, going into a situation where... you know. The, I just think Mike is going to start to face questions about who is your quarterback starting next week. And it'll it'll be interesting to see. You know, I, I've said all along, I think both of them are going to play this season. And after seeing a few practices, I think I'm more convinced of that than ever. That I think both of them, like I think going in that Mercer game, maybe one will start, but they're both definitely going to play. And, you know, whoever plays better is going to get the start against Navy. That's my prediction. I was going to say, how much do you think, how much do you think is that? Because Mercer might just be giving up 50, 60 points and, hey, somebody's got to play second. Oh, no, no. But I think this will be sort of a, you know, they're both. I just don't think, I mean, unless some something changes over the next week or two, which it very well could, I just don't think either one of them is heads and shoulders above the other. So, 
it's going to be a something. I, you know, it'll. I, I'll be interested to see if if one of them really maybe this Lambeth trip because they have another scrimmage on Saturday. Maybe this this is the stretch where someone really stands out. Maybe this is David Moore. Maybe we're watching David Moore kind of establish himself right now. I mean, he had the good scrimmage. He's getting more reps with the first team this week, but nothing seems decided to me. And and honestly, I just think I just don't know. This offense is not going to be like last year's offense. I, no. I don't think it's going to. No. This doesn't. At least right now does not appear to be an offense that's going to put up 60 points a game. Um, now, you know, like I said in the last podcast, I really think, at least offensively, this is shaping up to be a lot like Riley Ferguson's first year, where the first half of the season, the offense didn't really click. And then as the season wore on, you saw Riley really come into his own. And And I would guess right now we're going to see something similar this year where the first half of the year might be a little uneven offensively from the quarterback perspective and someone will eventually establish themselves. I just don't know if it's going to be here in training camp. I think, you know, the schedule sets up for that because I think after the Navy game, the only real test is probably Tulane maybe as a road game on a Friday. But up until the UCF game, I think the schedule sets up for whoever's going to be the starter they can kind of get into a rhythm, get comfortable, figure out what's going to what's it going to be, get used to this offense, and then by UCF maybe they're more comfortable. So I think the schedule sets up for maybe that transition period a little bit more than just say you, you're thrown into fire against a top Division One schedule. I think. Well, I think something to point out too is that you know Daryl Henderson, Tony Pollard, and Patrick Taylor did not really take part in this scrimmage, and. I don't think, given what I've seen from the quarterbacks, that you're going to see in a normal game, unless they're trailing by a lot, I don't think you're going to see one of these quarterbacks, whoever's the starter, I don't think they're going to throw it 30 times a game. I think they're going to pound the ball a lot more on the ground than they have in the past because they have these great running backs and a veteran offensive line. So I don't think, my, I think Mike Norvell is not going to count on the quarterbacks as much as maybe in the scrimmage you saw him. You know, I think he wanted to see who stood out of the quarterback, so he threw the ball a lot more. I think in a normal game plan, you're gonna you're gonna see them pound the ball with those two running backs a lot. They're just not uh, taking. They, they have them in a green jersey, um, no contact jersey. They've had the, they've had them like that all of camp, trying to keep them healthy. Um, so that's something to keep in mind as well as you you know think about that scrimmage if you were there and. And they're all concerned about the offense. I, I like I said, I think it'll it'll come eventually because this scheme is too good. But I just think there's going to be some bumps in the road, and and fans should should brace themselves for that. At least from what I've seen from these quarterbacks initially, I think so. And I think when you look at this team, you see if they don't run the ball right away against Mercer, I will be very surprised because you have two horses back there. And honestly, if you're just if you're me and you have a new quarterback. I'm not using that quarterback 30, 40 passes a game. I'm running the ball, pounding it, establishing the ground game. And I think that'll be good for this team because you have new wide receivers. You have to build up chemistry with them. And I think what we've seen from Daryl Henderson and Patrick Taylor in practices, when they get the ball, they can go. So I don't think you're missing anything in the scrimmage. It's like, you want to see them play? Yeah, but in practice, trust me. You'd rather have them healthy. Yeah, trust me. They're doing enough in practice where you know, okay, they're doing enough to show why they're wearing the green jersey. So... I think, um, yeah, I think running the ball is going to be essential for the Tigers to start, and I think 
whoever gets this job will lean heavily on that ground game to just kind of get a rhythm, get established, because there's not a lot of pressure, I think, on this quarterback with the weapons around him and the offensive line, too. So who else uh, Who else really stood out to you in that scrimmage, non-quarterback-wise? Non-quarterback. I really loved um, J.J. Russell, the linebacker. I think we talked about him last podcast. Um, J.J. Russell was flying around to the ball. He just um, continues to compete for a starting job. He was on special teams last year, but he's really come on and shown that he can compete for a starting linebacker job. Um, Jackson Dillon, I think, and he played about 20 plays, um, Mike Norvell said this week. He looked very, very good. And I overheard somebody tell me that they hadn't seen Jackson look that good in a long time. So I think mm, Since he, that BYU bowl game. Right. So I think that was encouraging. I think Tiger fans will be excited for Jackson because now that he has that six-year, not only is he just playing, but he's looking like himself again on the field. So I thought those two really stood out to me uh, on the defensive side. Did you see anybody else that really uh, impressed you? I've really liked what Coxie's done the past as camps progressed, he looks like he's going to be that number one receiver type guy, Demonte Coxie. Demonte Coxie, yeah, um, he's yeah, he's been showing up a lot in practice. I feel like he's really taken on that leadership role. Like, I want to be the number one guy. He's making plays all through practice. I think clearly, if you want to see the guy who's going to be number one, look for number ten because he has really taken that step forward with this offense. Yeah, no, and then I mean it'll be interesting that D line. I, I you know I thought Jackson Dillon stood out, but I thought the D line in general was the best unit in that scrimmage they were getting some pretty decent pressure on the quarterback which was a huge problem for the defense last year um so i you know it'll be interesting guys like keith brown he's been playing a lot um on the edge as well um can you know will he be a big contributor this year he's a junior college transfer that'll be interesting to see o'brien goodson who played a lot last year as a true freshman is back in there. Jonathan Wilson, I thought, played really well. He looks like he's, you know, really settling into kind of a veteran role. Um, so that D line will be interesting to watch because they need to get some some better pressure on the quarterback um, moving forward. Yeah, and even in practice, the D line is really just they've this offensive line I thought would be one of the team's strengths, but the D line has risen to that level and just pushed them back, gotten into the backfield, have the quarterbacks on the run a lot. I think that. We talked about how, like you said, they need to get better with the pass rush. And right now, they look like they've taken that challenge. Even the linebackers have gotten to the quarterback. Well, I think um, several. one of the coaches told me that they have about four to five guys at linebacker they think can be a force getting to the quarterback, which is huge because I think if Memphis can do that, then it's basically easy pickings for guys like T.J. Carter and Tito Windham in the secondary where they don't have to worry about doing as much to just you know make plays there. But I think... The front seven looks a lot meaner and, and more intense this year, and that's encouraging, I think. Well, one thing to keep in mind, I was talking to Kenny Dillingham about this after the scrimmage, the offensive coordinator, and I was mentioning him. I go, are you worried at all about the off- offensive line? They were getting a lot of pressure on you guys there, and he's like, you got to keep in mind that these scrimmages, like they haven't put in their checks and their audibles. like They're just lining up and running the play that's called, and, you know, if the defense is blitzing, like they're not going to move a running back over to go pick up the blitzer in a scrimmage the first week of practice. Um, so some of it, some of the pressure that was generated was just like schematically, you know, they, they, they were just running, you know, Memphis was just running a play and like they weren't, you know, there's not, there's just not a lot of checks in installed yet. Um, so that's something to keep in mind. It's, it's why like, you know we're we're making all these observations off of scrimmages and practices but at the same time 
it's still pretty early and there's still, you know, it's still a lot. There's a big difference between a game and a scrimmage. Um, and so I'll be, you know, there's still some time. I mean, we still got what, two, three weeks, two weeks. Yeah. Is it two weeks? Two weeks. That's it. Two and a half two weeks, and a half, I guess. Two and a half weeks. Wow. We're, we just finished practice 10 this week. So it's like, wow, we're already at the second half. It's crazy. That is nuts. It feels like it just started. <laughs> You're telling me I've been out there every day and I'm like, okay, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> well, how I'm, I'm curious from you, from your, you've been out there every day. How, how do you think, you know, Norvell's, you know, outside of what he says to us in the press conferences, how do you think he feels about this team right now? I would say he's pretty, I'll use this as an example. On Monday, he was really upset that they did not show the intensity for their first morning practice. He was way more upset than he has been usually going. He's usually very optimistic, but he was very upset with the team not showing lack of effort. And it was their first morning practice, so there is that turnover. But I think from what from what I've been what I realized, if a coach is too happy about this team, maybe that's a good sign. But if the coach is upset, he expects more. So I think he really wants this team to be better than last year, even if they're not going to be maybe as good because you don't have the returning quarterback, you don't have Anthony Miller. He wants this team to be really, really good. And from what I've seen, and the coaches have brought this up too, they've been pushing these guys to step up as leaders. They've been pushing them to you know, grab the the bull by the horns, if you will, and just really kind of push forward. So I think he really likes this team and wants them to be great and take that next level. Even if they're not going to maybe score as many points, he wants them to just take that next level in practice. So I think by being tougher on them, he wants more out of them. So I think he's got very high expectations of what this team can be. Who is the leader on this team? Who are, who are like the players? Like that's, I mean, to be quite honest, something that stuck out to me is like last year, it was very clear, like Anthony Miller, Jannard Avery, you know, um, even, um, you know, on the D line, you know, some of those guys on the D line that were veterans, even though they weren't like maybe performing as well as people wanted, like they were clearly, you know, leaders, Jonathan Cook. Uh, in the defensive backfield, like who do you really stands out as like guys who are going to be like, you know, sort of the the dependable seniors, upperclassmen who are going to become the faces of this team? I think right now, one that I really love is I like Curtis Aikens. Every time I walk by and I see him barking at guys, I get the sense that he understands this is his last year and he wants these guys to go on a high note. Austin Hall has kind of taken a more, vocal role even tj carter even though he's a sophomore in some of the huddles i've heard he's really kind of just asserted himself jackson Dillon as well what about offense those are all defensive guys right well, well offense i think you know some of the leaders are more on the o-line like a drew kaiser or trayvon tate i saw trayvon tate kind of get in some people's faces early on but i think on offense it remains to be seen who's going to take that role like tony pollard obviously carries himself as one but offense that will remain remains to be seen who's going to be the leader of this offense interesting um so even though we're in camp, they got a they got a big recruitment the or a big uh, recruit the other night. Tell tell they they did um they tell got, our readers about him. <laughs> they did actually, and and I'm sure Jason could probably shed some more insight. But they got a, a running back from Mississippi named Jared Connor, whose nickname is Snoop, um, which for me was surprising because I I don't usually hear too many kids outside of California nicknamed Snoop. But uh, Jared Connor is a 5'11", 210 pound running back, three star recruit. Um, Scored 53 touchdowns last season, running the ball and throwing the ball combined. Um, he looks like he's a really talented kid. And I think, uh, Jason, you probably can speak more to how much how talented this kid is, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, wait, before before you start, let's give people a little background about you, Jason. Jason Munns, 
He joined the CA, what, about a month ago? Uh, two. Two months ago? Yeah. Um, he's going to be helping us out in sports a lot. He's already done a ton of really good stuff for us, but he covered Southern Miss for years and years, what, five, six about years? Five years, yeah. Five years for the Hattiesburg American down in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. And you covered this kid a lot in, in the high school ranks, but just, just tell people about what Memphis fans should expect out of him. He played quarterback in high school, right? Yeah, still will. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he, he actually transferred from a smaller school uh, down on the Gulf Coast, uh, Silva Bay Academy, uh, between his freshman and sophomore years and uh, was was basically a second or third string linebacker, essentially his sophomore year. They turned the reins over to him last year uh, with at quarterback and and he really just took off. I mean, I we I've sort of had a hand in the Hattiesburg Americans all area team and all area player of the year for the last decade or 12 years or so for however long I worked there. And, um, we've only, if I remember right, we've only a junior has only been the all area player of the year, like maybe twice. And he's one of them. So, uh, just a, a very, you know, well put together kid, smart guy, um, smart player. Um, uh, and, and, you know, just, just kind of has a knack for, doing good things when the ball is in his hands. I mean, he just kind of gets it. And, um, you know, when he's out there, uh, you know, in the games that I saw, I covered him probably half a dozen times, maybe 10 games. And, uh, you know, he, he always does something to impress me a little bit more the next time I see him. And, and you can tell he's growing. And that's, I would imagine, something that's encouraging to Memphis fans is that he still hasn't peaked. Yeah, and this is a pattern for the staff. They take guys versatile guys and move them around the field i mean you know you just look at kenny gainwell this year is a perfect example troy hurst in that you know guys who are quarterbacks but are just athletes and you know maybe they're not you know big time quarterback prospects but they're able to convince these kids to come to memphis because of how well they've used their playmakers over the years i think it's become i mean i think did this kid pick Memphis over Ole Miss? That yeah, he, he had some interest. I'm sorry, interest from uh, from Ole Miss and a number of other schools. I think Tulane was in on him. Southern Miss obviously was going to be in on him as well. And so, and and it's interesting you brought up Kenny Gainwell. I saw him in last year's three uh, A state championship game for Yazoo County. Uh, got beat by Jefferson Davis County, which is another team in in the coverage area from uh, where I'm from, and uh, got a chance to see him. And that it is very similar. Uh, it sounds like to what for what Memphis is going to do with Kenny Gainwell. It sounds like that's going to be in the cards for for Jared Connor. This is an attractive offense for athletes to be in. I think that's the key that we are seeing here. Even though this class won't be highly ranked because it's not going to be very big because of how big Norvell's first two classes were, they're still getting athletes that Memphis traditionally have not gotten until recently the past three, four years. They are getting the type of athletes that this school, you know, five, ten years ago couldn't dream of. Yeah, and I looked last night at the recruiting list, and there's 13 commits so far. All but two of them are ranked as three-star kids by at least one recruiting site, which is impressive. People are telling me, like, Evan, you know, we're getting three-star kids. Like, we would have been happy to get a one three-star kid. Now almost all these kids are are three-star athletes. So I think it speaks to just not just the recruitment, but the development. You know, they see guys like Anthony Miller, Tony Pollard, all these running backs, all these versatile players, and they're like, I want to do that. So I think Memphis has done a great job targeting the right number of kids. And I think even if this class is small, 
it's going to be stacked on what do they need? What kind of guys do they want? So it may not be a 20 person class, but if they can get 13 to 15 guys who are solid commits, who are want to be here and are versatile enough, this is a win for this program. I think. All right. So before we go, there's a scrimmage on Saturday. Will we, will we see a quarter? Will the real quarterback please stand up? Will that happen? I hope so. I really do. I, I want to see a quarterback emerge this weekend and say, okay, I got this. I want to see the receivers take a step forward as well because I've talked to um, receivers coach Desmond Lizzie. He wants this group to be more consistent. Um, I want to see if the defense can match that intensity again. We liked what we saw in the first scrimmage. Can they do it again and say that we are going to be the the leaders of this team? So I got a lot of questions. I want answers. And hopefully if you guys come up to Jackson, you'll see for yourself and we can all wonder what these next two weeks are going to be like for Memphis. Yeah, because, I mean, once this scrimmage is over, I feel like you start – you might start seeing them install some stuff for Navy, and really, you start you know, the the first game is around the corner, um, and so you're it's all downhill. It feels like after this scrimmage, so uh, hopefully, some some more concrete answers emerge. We will be back next week, uh, and we'll have a full wrap up of that scrimmage. And you know, by then, it'll really be it'll really feel like the college football season is about to start. Um, you make sure you go to commercialappeal.com. Evan will have stories up throughout the week he's got tons of stuff he has observations after every practice features um so make sure you're checking all that out because he's working his tail off and and uh if you want to stay up to date with what's going on in camp um he's the guy to follow so uh we will join you next week i was mark i was joined by evan and uh jason uh we'll see you next week A new episode of the Tiger Football Podcast posts each Tuesday during the regular season. You can also subscribe to the show for free on Apple Podcasts and Google Play. I'm Sean King. The Tiger Football Podcast is a production of the Commercial Appeal.